This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 1348 of Horse Tip Daily, your almost everyday morsel of helpful hints, useful facts, and practical techniques for horse folks. Brought to you today by Wintech Saddles. everybody, Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is an excerpt from the Horses in the Morning show, where Dr. Madison Siemens from Cornerstone Equine Medical Services in Wilder, Ohio, explains how the horse's eyesight influences his or her behavior. And speaking of behavior, both you and your horse are going to behave better when you have a saddle that fits. And guess what? Available now from leading retailers throughout North America, the new and improved range from Wintech the world's favorite synthetic saddle brand. Combining hard-wearing materials with best-in-class technology, the range of new and improved Wintech saddles now has something for every discipline, confirmation, and budget. The new specialist confirmation saddle models include the Wintech 2000 High Wither All-Purpose, Wintech 2000 Wide All-Purpose, and the Wintech Pro Wide Dressage. And that's not all. Improved comfort for you and your horse with super soft panels that mold in and around your horse's working muscles for a closer, more stable fit. Plus, the amazing new saddle flap that contours around your horse, channeling your thigh to improve contact. Head out to your local retailer and have a sit in one of the new and improved Wintech saddles or visit them online at Wintech Saddles, that's saddles plural, dot U.S. Wintech Saddles dot U.S. And now on with the tip. And this is, of course, Dr. Madison Siemens from uh, Cornerstone Equine. Thank you for joining us. You're up in the land of the frozen, up in Idaho. So um, you are going to give a talk, I believe, about how vision influences behavior. And just that title alone makes me super interested. So the floor is yours, doctor. Well, thank you so much. Uh, This is something I've been studying for a while now, Uh, we get to see the various aspects of equine behavior in our practice on a daily basis. And, you know, the question is, you know, why is the horse afraid of me? I think the question should be, why does he ever quit being afraid of us? (laughs) (laughs) I love the term natural horsemanship. I mean, there ain't nothing we can do to these guys. that's natural. (laughs) If, if, if we think about it just a little bit, you know, we're always viewed as predators. And the reason that that's the case is because horses are prey animals. And we are viewed as predators because we're smaller than they are. Our eyes are in front of our head, and we smell like bacon or a Big Mac or something. So it just amazes me that we could we could ever have caught the first one. So I think it's just a testimony to their their forgiving nature, and I think that's part of why we like them so much. Well, that's part of it too. Is you you have to work to prove you're not a predator, even though some of us are vegetarians and don't smell like bacon. We're still considered predators to them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so one of the one of the things that I find very interesting about about working with horses is what I call horseman's mythology. And so that's some stuff that you know somebody said this 200 years ago, and now it is set in stone. Doesn't necessarily be true. But, you know, people just believe it. So when we think about, we think about vision, 
there's several aspects we have to understand that the horse's uh, go-to position is always going to be threat assessment. How does he going to? How is he viewing the world so that he can stay alive? Okay, survival of the fittest and all of that. And so threat assessment, you can divide that up into several aspects of horse's vision. And the first one of those things that we have to recognize is the horse's blind spots. And so the horse has perceives the world in three images, two monocular images out of one eye on either side, and then one binocular image of the world that you can use as two eyes to triangulate. But there's a blind spot right in front of his face for roughly four feet. And so if you're doing something directly in front of a horse, there's a lot of what you're doing that he cannot see. Mm-hmm. So he's just kind of going on trust that you not, have not all, all of a sudden turned into a um, saber-toothed butterfly or a carnivorous grocery <laughs> bag, you know. Okay. So in all of those images, all of those images are integrated in their brain, which makes for a very interesting set of physiology and anatomy. And, and uh, it's just amazing uh, how the horse can function at, at any level, much less at the level at, at which they do perform for us. And that so just to show you how amazing they are and the fact that they truly. will perform for us. How, and, and Absolutely. How Absolutely. And I was I was made painfully aware of a blind spot many years ago. I was working on a, a horse outfit on the East Coast. and There was a fairly large dry lot that we fed horses in, but there was not a gate big enough to get a pickup in there. So I had to, I had to hand carry bales of hay from the fence or from the truck inside this big dry lot and put it in the feeder. And there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a drainage, a little creek like affair running through the center of this of this dry lot. And so I had to step over it carrying this bale of hay. And I realized this is what the, we were asking the horse to do at a dead run when we are asking him to jump something. I could not see the creek because I had that bale of hay in front of me. Mm-hmm. I could see way off to the side to the left, way off to the side of the right. I could see the creek as I was approaching it within a few feet. But there was a time when I was completely blind and I had to step over that counting the steps I knew to be how long it would take for me to get over there without getting my feet wet. Which so if you jump horses, that is kind of how they do it is they pretty much memorize it before they get there. Absolutely. And then, and then, and then take that another step, turn that bale of hay up on its end and then walk into a telephone booth. Mm-hmm. Now I understand that, that, that a lot of people of our audience are going to be missed are going to miss this because we don't have much, much in the way of phone booths anymore. But that's what you're asking the horse to do when you're asking him to get in that trailer. There's a whole bunch of that trailer he doesn't see. Wow. So if you start thinking about this thing. So so we think about this, uh, there's threat assessments. There's uh, part of the horseman's mythology is that the right side of the horse's brain is not wired to the left side of his body. You've probably heard that before, and that's why we, we do fly spray on the left side of the horse for the first time, and then we go over to the right side, and it's, it's if, as if the horse is saying, where did you come from? Mm-hmm. Everything all starts over again. Well, the horse's brain is wired up left to right, and I'll explain that to you in a second. And so the third thing, so we're, we're dealing with threat assessment. We're dealing with, with handedness, left side, right side, and, uh, and blind spots. And then we're also dealing with changes in shape. That's how the horse assesses threats. And so a change in shape is going to suggest motion. And so a predator is not da- not any danger at all if he's holding still. So it's only when he starts moving that's when he becomes a danger. Hmm. That's so interesting. That horse... 
And, and because I have a Mustang and we always say, you know, the, what's the, what's the one thing, the hardest thing in the world to find. And that's something a Mustang hasn't already noticed. And it's very exactly. true with, with lots of horses. And sometimes when I would uh, be riding out with him and, and, and thoroughbreds too, you see a human walking around all, I'm like, can you please say something? Just, I don't know. Speak so we know you're not a threat. <laughs> that is interesting that it's when they're moving. I didn't think about that. That's, it's, it's the motion. That, that, that's, that's what tends to trigger them. That's why you could take a really good horse, turn it into a real worried horse on a windy day. Because you're seeing lots and lots and lots of shape changes. The leaves are blowing. Again, those saber-toothed grocery bags are blowing across his, his field of vision. <laughs> you got this kind, of, this kind of stuff going on. But at a real basic physiological level, okay, there's no doubt that the horse's left side is wired to the right because of something called the pupillary light reflex. And so that's when you shine a light on one eye, you will get a constriction. And that's, that's because the pupil, the hole in the iris, is actually responding to a lot of light in that area. And so when you get a lot of light in that area, it, it constricts. Well, it'll happen to the other eye. It's called a direct and consensual pupillary light response. So the horse's brain is wired left to right at a very, very deep primitive level because you get that consensual and direct uh, PLR, which means that, yeah, they are wired up. And the other thing I always find interesting is, is now don't throw your compass away when you go up to the high country, but I have found that when you get lost, first time you've ever been on a trail several miles away from the from the trailer uh if you will turn around and give the horse his head he will probably be able to find the trailer in almost a perfectly direct route so if the left brain is not wired to the right how does he memorize the left side of the trail when he's seeing it only going in one direction please tell me because that is a mystery well, it's, it's 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 because it's because that 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 left side and right side communicate, and so we we know that that there's going to be a little difference when we go when we go over on the right side to do something. But as you will notice that when you're doing something, fly spray is a great example. When you're doing something on the left side of the horse, and the first time we fly spray, and they get a little worried about that, because and there's other, there's many of these uh, sensory inputs that are affecting that. However. I think a big part of that thing is this, just the change in the shape that they're seeing as they, as they see us on the left side. And so it may take four or five minutes to fly spray them on the left, but it only takes one or two to do it on the right. That's because they've got those images that will communicate left to right in their higher brain centers where all this photic, this image information is stored. I got So let's get back to the trail. So I'm, I'm 10 miles out. I turn around. I don't know how to get back. Does it, is the horse's memory that good or is some of this instinctual? Well, it, I guess it depends. That's a great question, Glenn. I guess it depends on what you call instinct. And and we know, well, for example, for the longest time, people said foals didn't see very well. Well, I don't agree with that. I think the foal sees just as well at birth as he's going to see at, at 10 years of age. But he doesn't have images stored in his memory banks. So he doesn't know what a fence is. He doesn't know what a stall door is. We turned some babies loose for the first time. One one particular baby had been sick, and he'd been confined to a stall here this past uh, this past spring. And so there was other foals out in the pasture. And the first thing this foal did once we got him out of the door, which was a challenge because he didn't know what a door was, the first thing he did was he ran into the fence. Thank God it was a smooth wire fence, and he bounced off and jumped up and started running around again. 
but you will never see that foal run into that fence again because mm-hmm. now he has that image of a fence stored in memory banks. Once a, once a foal has learned to negotiate the, the physical challenges of going through a stall door, he will never again have a problem going through that stall door. But that first time, he doesn't have any images stored in his higher brain centers to tell him what a stall door is. And this, uh, Dr. Siemens, is why training horses without violence is so important because you go, you want your horse to do, it's like, say you want him to get in the trailer and you walk him up to the trailer and inevitably somebody's going to bring out the whip. You whip them, you're convincing the horse that they were right the whole time. That trailer is terrible. We shouldn't go there because you're going to get whipped. And so forever, they have this image in their brain of getting whipped while they're standing at the back of the trailer. And it, you got to work pretty darn hard to get that out of there. You got to replace all those pictures, those bad pictures with good ones, hundreds and hundreds of times before you can get rid of that. That's why it's so important to train horses without violence. But on and another note, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we've got the 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 shape changes, which I find fascinating. When you're like, uh, I'll I will be riding my horse, and there's a pasture of horses next door, and no big deal until the horses start trotting down the side of the fence or even walking down the side of the fence. My horse that I'm riding and I ride mostly off the track thoroughbreds here, they all, Oh my God, what is that? And so it makes sense that there's changes of shape. Do the horses need to be able to look at that? Or should I just be like, let's get back to work. Come on, ignore that. What do you think is the best way to handle that? Not the well, there's, there's, there's a couple of ways to approach that. And that's a very, very good analogy. And so you got to remember, you got to remember. So you've got, you've got the shape of say you, you're standing on the left side of the horse, but there's, but there's some contrast in the background. And so you're standing in one place on one day. And so behind you is a, is a horse trailer and a large tree on the left side. But on the other side is a fence and a, and, and, and a hedge and, and a barn. Well, those, those images that those contrasting backgrounds are totally different images for the horse. So you're moving along a background setting that's changing shape all the time, every time you move. And so that's, I think that's what they're seeing. Now there's, you got to remember, they're not just visual animals. There are other, there are other sensory inputs that are going to affect this. And so a group of horses moving on the left side of him is going to elicit a, a response because of a lot of visual and olfactory stimuli. They don't smell like carnivores. Okay. Mm-hmm. But again, it's a, it's that shape change. There's also sort of that mass hysteria that, you know, one horse sticks his tail up in the air, decides to stampede. Your horse is going to, go, going to want to go with them. Right. Because this is, oh, yeah, you're afraid, I'm afraid. So this this spills into a couple of other aspects, and we'll, we'll touch a little bit on the trailer loading thing. Uh, the horse's uh, uh, light accommodation happens very slowly. And so when you and I walk out of a darkened theater midday, we're blind for uh, just a few seconds. Within about 15 seconds or so, our eyes will accommodate, our pupils will constrict. We're not getting so much light information going back into our retinas, and, and it's more comfortable for us to be outside. A horse is designed to see in low lighting because that's when the predators are out. And so their accommodation to light happens very, very slowly. In some instances, maybe up to four or five minutes. So when we ask them to go into a, to, a, to a treatment room in a clinic someplace or in a horse trailer or even just a darkened barn or going from a dark barn outside, they are going to be functionally blind for a longer period than we are. Uh-huh. So when we ask them, we're having a trailer loading exercise. The poor horse, 
he's got blind spots, he's got fear, he's got you being aggravated because you won't get in because you decided to train him to get in the trailer 34 seconds before you have to go to a show. (laughs) 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 So he's got all this stuff going against him, you know what I mean? And so if we just stop and think a little bit that that that, that, that light intensity accommodation occurs in a much more slow manner, because of the nature of the retina, the back of the sensory, the sensory nerves in the back of the horse's eye, which are designed to see motion and low lighting. So if we start thinking about these things, then we can start to, we can start to appreciate what the horse is going through. And this spills over just a little bit into into some other behaviors that, that you mentioned about seeing other horses. What I have found when I'm on the ground with a horse, especially with a patient. If the horse shows me some pretty intense interest in something that's going on, I will actually, and I know it sounds kind of weird, but I will actually walk with the horse over to whatever it is he's interested in. And so uh, a horse being a prey animal is looking for a safe spot. And so the beautiful part about this whole this whole relationship that we have, if we can prove to him that we're a safe spot, all of a sudden, and it takes some time, but of a sudden what will happen is when the horse gets worried, he will look to us as a safe spot, not run over the top of us and leave us flattened he's leaving the country because he doesn't <laughs> see us as safe. He sees us as an impediment to his flight. <laughs> You're, so. I mean, you just described training horses. I mean, that's the whole thing is to get them to trust you and to not worry about the rest of it because I'm your safe spot. Precisely. So it's not just training, but all, it's also in working with them. And I see, I only get about 90 seconds to establish myself as a safe spot. So I have learned some things over the recent half a century that will help me to establish that very quickly. And one of the things that I've learned early on was that when I, when, a, when one of my patients is showing an intense interest in something that's going on over there someplace, I just walk over there and share it with them. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, their head drops, their eyes soften. So now we go from this adrenaline, cortisol, stress hormone-dominated beast that's fixing to leave the country to something that's got more serotonin, more endorphin, more relaxed, drop their head, licking it, chewing, eyes softened. I mean, all of these things go with with this horse understanding that I'm no longer a predator, but now I'm a partner. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't take long to get that type of response if you know how to do it. Man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Dr. Siemens, we, of course, have run out of time, but this is fascinating and uh, just ties in so well with us just wanting to have a good time riding our horses and and. and just interesting. So thank you very much. You guys can find Dr. Siemens at cornerstoneequine.com. There's one E in between cornerstone and equine. And he also has a book, Never Trust a Sneaky Pony and other things. They never taught me about school. So you can find that on cornerstoneequine.com. Did I get it all? You did. I'm going to have to start paying you more. Well, there you have it. This podcast was made possible through the generous support of Wintech Saddles. Check them out online at Wintech Saddles, that's saddles plural, dot US. And listeners like you, learn how you can help support horse radio network programming and qualify for auditors only perks by going to horsetipdaily.com and clicking on the Become an Auditor banner. This is Coach Jen, and I will be back again soon with another tip. So until then, go ride your horse. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements made by guests on the Horse Tip Daily. Please use your own judgment when listening to the tips on this show.